Welcome along to episode 19 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and I'm joined this week by Brian. And for the uh, Instagram phenom Bowie Be Like, we have Jonathan Byrne speaking for the Scandinavian sighthound himself, Bowie. Each week, we take some of the endless stream of content brought to us through Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, Spotify, Disney+, Hulu. Wherever you get your content, we're going to grab a chunk of it and we're going to watch it and we're going to talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they are very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't seen any of the stuff we're talking about, go off and watch it and then come back to us. This week, we are talking about a lot of trailers, we're talking about a lot of video game stuff, but in terms of spoiler warning... We watched all of Masters of the Universe on Netflix, and we're going to talk through the whole thing. So I don't really think it's particularly spoilerable, you know, if you've watched the first episode. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast and heading over to Instagram or Twitter, where our handle is at The Endless Cast. We put up audio clips, we put up illustrations, we do drawing videos to go with every episode. So it's a good place to sort of engage and see some additional content. If you want to suggest anything, or if you want to comment or send in an audio clip for us to play on the podcast of what you thought of what we're talking about or anything like that, our email address is theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. Today we have a guest. Um, how do you want to be introduced? It's Bowie, uh, who I'm representing. I'll be translating for Bowie, but I'm John Z. So we have uh, Bowie's interpreter, John Z, with us today. Um, all views are Bowie's. Letters of complaint should be addressed to the dog. Or adoration. Or adoration, indeed, yeah. There's some golden fan art of Bowie going around, so, um, you know, if we get enough demand, we'll put out prints. That was, that was, that was part of the deal. <laughs> I do have a Johnsy drawing as well to go with it, so. Yeah, cool. The trailers this week, uh, we saw The Last Duel released, which is Ridley Scott's epic with Adam Driver, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and it's been trying to shoot in Ireland for the last year and a half. It's the movie that gave us dorky Matt Damon with his, was it a Sentra bag? I think it was a super value, wasn't it? For any any listeners in um, anywhere, any other parts of the world, Matt Damon got stuck in Ireland or choose to spend a large part of the pandemic in Ireland. Dorky to be... Could he not leave the country? Um, I'm not sure. I remember that story came up. Uh, I think they just decided to stay because Doc, he was so nice. It is funny how he kind of became this sort of, I guess, when there's nothing to do in a country, you, you make yourselves pastimes. But like Dublin Airport at one point tweeted, listen, lads, we can't keep the guy. If he wants to go, we have to let him. Well, I don't know. If I had to be stuck anywhere, I'd say Doc, he'd be a, a nice place. I'm biased, though, of course. Bowie is seen scarpering up Kalini Hill on a regular basis, He's along well with all of Dublin celebrity. Yeah. So this is the latest Ridley Scott thing. What was the last Ridley Scott film? Like, he produces a lot of stuff, but what was his last film? Was it Covenant? It got trashed. Might be was, Covenant. It was some kind of ensemble film, wasn't it? He did Raised by Wolves, that HBO show. Did you watch I watched the first that? episode. I liked a lot of the the aesthetic of it. Like, even the first episode had some real, like, 50s sci-fi influence in terms of, like, the jumpsuits and the space helmets and the, the, the looks of it that way. I thought it was kind of cool the way they made that work. But I didn't get through the whole no, series. No, I, I had a bit of a... I, 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 like, I like um, religion, uh, science fiction, uh, religion-influenced science fiction. Like, yeah, I remember my dissertation in college was all about that. But watching it... Maybe if I kept watching it, it wouldn't have been. But it seemed a bit one-sided towards religion. 
And I'm a little bit concerned. I, I did. I got a bad. I didn't. It didn't. I didn't like how they were dealing. And I, I didn't find the first episode that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I had that as well watching it, where it was like, I don't know. I I am biased towards, I guess, the sort of more atheist angle on stuff because they were pitting mm-hmm. atheist against faith in it, and it did seem to be sort of leaning very like pro faith. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, like it it. Like it presented our heroes as atheists and these people of faith as being kind of crazy and zealous and zealoty. But as it was going on, they were kind of getting sort of proved more right and right. And I'm like, whoa, that's what's the angle on this show? I suppose Turnabout is fair play. Everybody gets to make films if people of faith want to make them. Yeah, no, that's cool. I I, I watched the first episode and I had a friend recommending it to me, and I kind of she kind of confirmed that it was lean more that way as the show goes on so it's like oh no it's okay looking at ridley scott's imdb here the last thing that seems to be a film i think is alien covenant he's got gladiator 2 as announced Hmm. i don't know if that's happening hopefully the nick cave script where russell crowe essentially becomes the god of war and travels through time fighting battles across history ends up in the pentagon did you ever see that nick cave the singer he wrote a sequel for gladiator that's how much he liked it yeah I don't. I don't entirely think it wasn't solicited. I think they they went after a sequel script, and he wrote on like there are two writers yeah. on it. And, it's a strange film, um, uh, Gladiator. I, I watched it when I came out, and I thought it was fine. But I have friends that are just obsessed with it. I don't know what the what the what the, the draw of it is. To be honest, I guess the scale, coupled with a bit of Hans Zimmer and the the stuff that is practical. You know, you do get a real sense of real crowds in it. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about that only this morning when I watched the new Snake Eyes trailer, and we're going to talk about Snake Eyes in a minute, where there's a moment where he, like, jumps and does a pirouette 180 on a to land facing backwards on a motorcycle, and I went, that's supposed to be impressive, but it looks like shit, it's CG garbage, he's on a cable, whereas I'm sure I saw a movie recently enough where a guy, like, gets out the door of a truck and scampers along the side of it, and it's not particularly dynamic, but because it's real, there's a real sense of, jeopardy to it it's it's much more thrilling just watching somebody kind of struggle to the side of something than, no but when i say you have uh, friends that like are crazy about it, i mean i have one friend in particular it's like he, it's his creed or it's his life creed is the film gladiator gladiator no he's not a he's not a person that would be would care about the technical aspects you know he just maximus's yeah, philosophy yeah just the, the film did he get deep into marcus aurelius and I have no idea. He's not a, a movie buff by any means, but uh, just uh, I always found it strange how, and I, I think a lot of people are that way about the film. The Last Duel. Mm. What did you make of the trailer? I fucking loved Matt Damon's mullet. I thought it was Theo Vaughn when I saw like a thumbnail for it first. I was like, is that what's happening? I think it's a good choice though. It looks. It's, I'm sure it's. Uh, I'd say it's. It's one of those things that is probably accurate yeah. to the time. You know, that you just haven't seen portrayed in a movie and it looks a bit weird. That's the kind of feeling I get off it, you know. It's a good trailer, though. Um, Apart from the whole based on a true story. I hate when they do that. Like, this is a Whatever. The only one in Fargo is the only film that's ever done that properly. Fargo's not a true story. I know that, yeah. I was just wondering what you... (laughs) It starts... Fargo starts off, this is a true story. They just lied, right? Yeah, it was a joke. You know? Yeah. But I, I always, it always puts me off when I see that. It's like, why can't you just say inspired by true events or something, you know? Is this a remake of The Duelists or his, his first film? 
I don't think so. It's it's based on a book by the same name. That was Scott, wasn't it? That's his first. Yeah, yeah. Is he is he remaking that? Is that what it is? No. No. Um. So, did you watch the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. The duelist is like 17th, 18th century. Two guys having a having a beef across you know a couple of decades of their life, and every time they meet each other, they end up having a fucking fight. This is, by the looks of it, one duel. Matt Damon's wife accuses his best friend Adam Driver of a sexual assault, and it becomes a sort of life and death for her whether or not the world believes her. And Matt Damon, standing behind his wife, challenges Driver to a duel to the death. Though in the there's there is a moment in the trailer where he goes, You're this is more about your honour than mine, you know. This is more about backing yourself up than backing me up. I, I looked it up actually. There's something very I find very interesting about it. Uh the screenplay is written by someone called Nicole Hollow Fencer, but it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. When was the last time them two wrote a script together? Wait, are they are they are they on his writing? Yeah, ben Affleck or screenplay get... by uh, Nicole Hollow Fencer and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. That, that is interesting. Goodwill Hunting is probably the last time they worked together on a script, is it? You remember they did like a competition where they were like they they got a bunch of indie films and they almost I think they made a documentary out of finding the script and then funding it and making it. I think they were making stuff together, but I don't know if they've been writing anything. Hold on, I'll, I'll give it a look myself. Like, there's a thing watching the trailer though. I'm suspicious as to whether I, I don't think it, it it's portraying it as an action movie, but. If it's just one duel, yeah, it doesn't quite. Um, it's it's one of those things where, it, like, given the subject matter, I don't think it's an action no, movie. No. That the trailer's trying to make it look the like the trailer it. does its best to make it look that way, though. Uh, Matt Damon's got four writing credits, and um, only two of them are with Affleck. And what's the other two? One of th- one of them's with John Krasinski. The Last Duel, twenty twenty one, Promised Land, twenty twelve, Jerry, two thousand and two, and Goodwill Hunting, ninety seven. Jerry is. Uh, Casey Affleck, Matt Damon, and Gus Van Sant writing. Okay. A friendship between you two young men is tested when they go for a hike in a desert and forget to bring any water or food with them. So, this is the second time Damon and Affleck are working on a script, is it? Together? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Because I really like Goodwill Hunting. I haven't watched it in a long time now. Maybe, hopefully it's... I think it still holds up. I watched it a couple of years ago again and still enjoy the, it. There's been a kind of Hollywood myth for a long time that William Goldman kind of ghost wrote that thing, but one of his books he kind of says, I read it and I gave him some notes, that's about it. There was a whole gangster kind of car chase sequence that was in the original draft that they cut out. And also, it's good to see Adam Driver get something out of his training that he would have done for Star Wars. (laughs) Something good came of it. It is one of those things like Vikings where like every extra or every... like actor in Ireland has done some bit of standing around a set with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon at this point other trailers we have Dune again that looks huge I've never seen the original Dune have, have you seen Lynch's when I was a kid that's why I'm looking forward to this so much you know it's because I've never read the books um, I watched I must have been so young when I watched the movie on TV because it unsettled me an awful lot there's the kind of the subtext, sexual subtext and things. I remember just being really a little bit freaked out about it and I was quite young. Probably shouldn't have been watching it. I think I was watching it with my parents. But it, then I, I went sting to... Sting in his tiny pants. 
Um, no, there's a few things. There's the big, horrible, big guy that's... Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, anyone who's watched it, I'm sure they know. But, like, uh, I've always... Then I wanted to go see it, watch it a couple of years ago. I just got the idea. I was like, David Lynch, it must be good. And then I got put off by the fact that even David Lynch has disowned it. Did either of you watch uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, the documentary about the... Yeah, that was... That was that's that was beautiful. Don't don't know if it would have been a great film or not. Yeah, it certainly looked beautiful. Any thoughts on Jodorowsky's Dune? Uh, I yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, the concept art and everything looked superb, but the guy's a lunatic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's 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 demented. What was that film he's famous for? That's the big film he's famous for. Uh, El Topo. Yeah, is it El Topo? Just some crazy fantasy. Um, There's some assertion that yeah. he just raped somebody in the middle of one of those movies, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 it's fucked. He's off the yeah, chunk. It's, yeah. it's absolutely fucked. Yeah. So, yeah, if I was unsettled as a kid by the original Dune, and I'm pretty sure his one would have uh, would have had me, uh, I don't know, wearing all leather gear now. Yeah. So, uh, for context for anyone listening, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune is a documentary from about two or three years ago. Alejandro Jodorowsky is a South American filmmaker. Yeah, I think he's Brazilian. And he's made he made a number of sort of I don't know, like what would you call it, like a psychedelic western in the seventies. Um, lots of drugs involved. Seems to be a goddamn lunatic. But when he got enough. Uh, uh, commercial credibility to him he started trying to develop Dune it was his dream project and he commissioned a wide range of concept artists to do art including H.R. Giger Geiger, however you want to say his name Mobius, a bunch of other people that worked on, I can't remember the name of the painters that did some of the ship design. He did a comic with uh, Mobius that is absolutely gorgeous but I haven't been able to finish mm. reading because it's fucking demented. It's What's the comic called? Uh, the Inkle uh, it's gorgeous like absolutely buy it it's beautiful like i've 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 gone you know start to finish looking at it but in terms of reading it it is just like clearly off his game while writing mm. this stuff it's just fucking the most bonkers kind of 60s 70s sci-fi um yeah it's amazing that there's an entire comic of it all by mobius mm. uh it's it's amazing but yeah the guy the guy's a lunatic that's it <laughs> The, the documentary covers the fact that he basically got a think tank together of concept designers and scriptwriters and casting and put together these pitch books that are six inches thick looking at them. They are big motherfuckers and he printed up about 20 of them and sent them to studios to try and get them made. And they are little arcs of the covenant of, of concept design and the people that worked on that went on to work on Star Wars and Alien and everything for 30 years after that. But it never got made. He had Orson Welles and Salvador Dali kind of loosely attached as cast. Yeah, he's Chilean. Chilean, okay. It's it's like um, the Tim Burton Batman thing. It's like a great concept, but the movie would have been chaos. Uh, it's nice. It's nice to see the concept, I guess. Um, but I think if we actually got the movie, not so much. Denny Villeneuve though is releasing October, November. December? It's October. Watching it on T watching the trailer on it, it like I want to be in the IMAX to see this thing. It looks like it's mm. playing with scale. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Well, Blade Runner 
I went. I think I went to see it in a normal screen and first the second time I went to see it in IMAX and it was different it's a different experience. Film, completely different, yeah. So much of twenty forty nine plays with scale and, and like it's there's so many establishing shots that are just you know like some something kind of being dwarfed yeah. by this immense kind of. It's almost. It's like the skylines that were almost like scale. <laughs> you just there's just a hole in the wall and you're looking yeah. at them. Yeah, I, I like that film, but it is a completely different experience. The screen you're watching it on makes, especially in in with the music as yeah. well. You know, it makes such a difference. Um, I I've had failed attempts watching it on TV, like since it's become available for stream, and it doesn't like it's a great film, and I would watch it again. But when you watch it, it's just not got that it impact. No. No. I've watched it twice, I think, on TV, and I I still like it, but. It's it's a very different experience. I I think about every time I think about it, I think about the scene where the car has crashed on the exterior wall by the water, and the mm-hmm. the feeling of the sound of the waves crashing against it, and like how small they seem amidst that. Like that, for some reason, that image stuck with me, and it just doesn't fit hit the same way on my telly, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. indeed, but overall, on my iPad though, in the dark at night. Blade Runner, um, it just hit the spot though in terms of being a sequel. You know, it just uh, it didn't feel like uh, one of these Robocop reboots or something. Yeah. It felt like an actual continuation of the story. Yeah, it was magic to pull that off, like thirty years later, to to yeah. make a sequel to that movie and have people be happy with it. Um, and to have Harrison Ford be the right age, you know, to set it that amount of time afterwards. That's it's that's not, that's a rare thing. Yeah. So when is this out? Is it October? Or- December or when is it? October twenty second. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great like mm-hmm. the cast is Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet. We talked about him last mm-hmm. week. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Jason Momoa. Yep. Batista. I think Skarsgård is in as well. Stellan Peter Alexander. Stellan. Well, the reason the reason I'm looking forward to it though is that I think I was saying earlier on I got sidetracked by going on about the film when I watched it when I was a kid, but. I've I've always it's always been there on the periphery the story Dune and I know how much people love it so I'm just glad now that we have a director like Denis Villeneuve who's kind of on a roll you know maybe not commercially but yeah. definitely critically yeah, I agree is so I get I, I get to see it in through the eyes of an auteur you know absolutely yeah I would like I was watching that trailer going like this is this is like the sci-fi gone with the wind it's a book that means a huge amount to a lot of people and it's never quite had that adaptation that worked I know I think they made like a TV movie of it as well at one point and it's it's got some parts and like when you think about John Carter as well where you know there's elements of this movie that have been crazy influential on sci-fi but we've never seen Mm. the source material yeah carry over um, so I guess high hopes. The only thing I was thinking about it this morning, though, um, this must have got greenlit before Blade Runner came out. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because it's a massive film that would have a, I wouldn't say totally limited audience, but the pandemic's not going to help it now either. More like you know, but like Blade Runner was by all accounts a flop, you know. Well, the original Blade Runner was a flop too, so. You know, come back in twenty years, they'll probably be making part three. Well, another thing I was thinking about this week, and it, it's speaking to my own just, I guess, narrow focus. I was, I was, what the hell was I watching? I just went. I don't know a young director who's made one film 
or two films and seems to be on the rise. Can you think of anybody like that? Young. Yeah, like who's who's a sort of Ryan Coogler? Yeah, Coogler's good. Yeah. Although it's not a young man's, young person's game, you know. Well, I I know what you mean there, but I just mean like you, like when you saw like what Brick was Ryan Johnson's first, and then you got to watch Ryan Johnson kind of develop, or you know when you see Shaun of the Dead, and you're like, oh, this Edgar Wright guy, I like what he's doing. Let's see how he progresses. Who who am I supposed to be? I don't know. Who's made Who's made one film that's cool? Me me personally, you now I've two. Matt Reeves and and Villeneuve would be two directors that I'm tracking. You know. Cool. I'm really looking forward to the Batman. Really looking forward to it. Was that supposed to be out this year and then yeah, the pandemic was, happened? I think it was supposed to be out last year. <laughs> um, the amount of stuff that feels like it's just sitting in cans somewhere waiting to be slotted in. No, the they had to shut it down for a long time because of the pandemic. Uh, uh, there was an outbreak on set, I think. I think... Uh, oh, um, Batman got it. Yeah, Batman got it. Apparently, Pattinson and Reeves do not get on. Really? At all? Yeah, at all. Like it's it's put this. They they were planning on like doing at least three films, oh. and apparently they are not getting on at all. And it's putting the other two Shit. in jeopardy. But I think the studio wants yeah. Pattinson more than they want Reeves. Oh, like they short sighted. Well, he's the fun face, and well, he's the fun. It's what the audience sees, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. That's shame. How. Is that is that definite though? Is that no? Is like that just I, it, I mean, it, gossip. Yeah, none of it's really been confirmed, but it, I've kind of read it in a lot of places that the two of them apparently like at first when I heard it was just you know it was kind of more of a gossipy thing, but it's been reported more and more by a couple of more kind of reputable places that they don't get on for for whatever. That's a get. shame because like Patterson, I've never actually watched any of his movies. I know I should watch the Lighthouse. Um, but I always just saw him as the guy from Twilight. Yeah, um, the the, the I, thing I with that is, you start to realize it's been a decade, and he's made every good choice since then. It's like, oh yeah. no, no, I understand yeah. that. Like, I I know he's made a few good choices there. I just haven't gotten to see them. Neither, neither of him, him in that suit though. It's like it's just a Mike for me. It's just Mike Magnolia's Batman in live live mm-hmm. action. He has the he just has the same the profile, which I always found really. Uh, was like Mike McNally is probably my favorite Batman artist, you know. So it's just like the fact that Matt Reeves is directing it, which like I think the Ape trilogy is probably my favorite trilogy of science fiction films ever. It's there's a fantastic arc. Uh, it elicited an emotional response from me on several occasions, which you know. My cold black heart doesn't do that often, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's just like, yeah, that's a shame if them two aren't getting on. Do you think? I mean, I'm just looking at what like Reeves's uh, theatrical work is: Cloverfield, Let Me In, Two Planets of the Apes movies, and Batman. Like, I don't know. It's not, it's not really worth supposing what they're disagreeing on. I do remember Pattinson sort of like. It, like apparently he just vocally said like I'm not working out for this movie they'll just put me in a suit and they'll use stuntmen I think he was you taking know? the piss with that though like I but I, is that how he beha- is that what he did no like, I, I I don't think that was I think that was if you've watched interviews with him like he's he's quite mm, strange dry. he's quite kind of quirky and funny and I think that was more I think he was kind of trolling people with that because there's such an obsession with when people become a superhero that they have to do this 
you know the, the gym the, ab shot yeah the, the chicken and broccoli thing mm. and he clearly he's clearly in shape I think he was kind of making a point that he's not going to turn himself into he's not going to be Hemsworth or Bale he's just going to you know like mm. he, he's in shape he's 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 a leading man yeah we saw him in tenet yeah. like so it's I, I think that was just more whatever about tenet as a film like he's he's he one of the best things in charismatic it. running around yeah. yeah did you see tenet johnsy mm-hmm okay did you enjoy it yeah it was it was okay uh, uh, this all of uh, Christopher Nolan's films I always find they just have such a high concept fantastic story idea but the, the just the execution of it always seems to lose me in the third act it's like the end of uh, what's the war one um, Dunkirk Normandy Dunkirk when he's like the airplane bit at the end was almost farcical <laughs> where it just keeps on cutting out the engine and he's like he saves everyone and he kind of waves as they go boy it's just <laughs> like that pulled me out of that film altogether I was like why'd they do that Bane had to be a hero Tenant, Tenant was a fantastic concept. Um, I don't know if it was successfully told. No. Maybe it was a little bit too contrived, you know? I think it was very much, yeah. But but Pattinson was good in it. <laughs> and, and John yeah, David yeah, Washington. Yeah, he was. I think yeah. there's a thing where, like, he's got this complaint a number of times now, and it's frustrating that he isn't actually addressing it. Um, we can't hear what you're saying, and you're doing a lot mm. of expositional horse shit under music and like if you're going to do the expositional horse shit um, let us hear it like I I was I was fine with it in Interstellar yeah, his, his justification of it was so weak like he's saying that you know audiences have such a low tolerance for like anything that's a bit avant-garde or experimental with music and like that's bullshit we can't hear what they're saying it's it's yeah. not sound design it's not if it's if it's a storytelling, yeah. If, if, <laughs> if it, you have to hear what yeah, you're saying. If it's effects and music during a set piece, fair enough. Yeah, go nuts being experimental with your sound design. When people are talking and you can't hear it, then it's it's not experimental. But, at that point, it's just bad. But levels. the thing is, you you could argue it's experimental. You you. I mean, there mm. is an argument to be made that you know, does it really matter what they're saying and will moment to moment, can the audience follow it? Yeah, okay, that's an experiment. I would argue that it's it's an unsuccessful yeah. one, though. Yeah, um, yeah. you have to pull yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah, I bought that argument and I was fine with it in Interstellar. And I would just tell people, just lean a little closer and focus and pay attention and you're fine. But we've done Gun, we've done Dunkirk and we've done Tenet since, and it's like, it's not, it's not working. That was another tour act disaster. Tenet? You know, um, uh, Interstellar. Uh, Interstellar, yeah. That fucking bookcase at the end. Just and then, love was what I don't know. This it just got really emotional at the end. And after being, I, 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 you know, you know me, I'm a Kubrick fan. I was looking for a cold clinical movie. Mm. Well, speaking of cold and clinical, uh, they put up a trailer for Jackass Forever. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> Is genius. Keep going. Bamagara. Bamagara has been uh, uh, has a barn. Jeff Tremaine has a barn order on him. Is that re- I saw a video of like it said Barmagara in a hashtag. I couldn't recognize him if it was. Yeah, him. he's gone off the deep end. He looked like a. He looks like a his hobo. dad. He looks. 
unwell. But he looks like, remember his dad, like when he was a young skinny kid and his mm. dad's big man and all. Now he looks oh, like yeah. his dad. <laughs> Maybe his dad was like him when he was younger. Well, what year did, what year did Jackass start? You know, 2000 like. 2000 mm-hmm. And then, if not earlier. 2003 seasons from the I, year 2000. I liked the show. I liked the whole skateboard, Jeff Tremaine and, and Spike Jones kind of. There was, there was, there was creativity in it. You know, kind of a gonzo kind of creativity. It's, it's not just this kind of yeah. cool thing. There was, yeah, there was there was a bit of kind of fun ideas, and again, a kind of guerrilla filmmaking and stuff like that. You know, um, it's it's a yeah. lot smarter yeah. than its surface. You know, yeah. Do you remember the English version that MTV had on? That it was horrible. Yeah. Can't even remember what it was called. Hard. They were just idiots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just copying jackass. That thing naturally coalesced with a bunch of people that kind of knew each other and were fucking around with video cameras. Yeah, you can't skateboard create that uh, shit. Like, they tried it as well with Impractical Jokers, where they just auditioned a bunch of English guys and tried to make an English version of it. But part of why that show worked is those four guys have known each other for twenty five years. Yeah, um, you know, not to not to get onto that, but well, Spike Jones, I think, was a big influence on Jack. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, was. He, yeah. He, 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 you know, and and and, and like he's he's. I, I, I align with his sense of humor or his, you know, sense of the uh, absurd, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm. But I think with the films, the f- I don't I don't even think I liked the first film. I think it jumped the shark by then. I, I remember you know? not expecting to like it and seeing it in the cinema and just being in tears. And like part of that was because I don't even think the cinema was actually full, but seeing it with other people laughing, it was yeah. like, I was yeah. in tears, mm. like from start to finish. Um it's a great cinema experience with with yeah. group of people. Like I said, I don't think it was full, but there was other people, and it, it was this. Yeah, it's a great. Experience. I don't. I, I don't think there's rewatch that. Like I saw the second one in the cinema, and like I know I enjoyed myself, and I one of my resounding memories of that whole experience. I can't even remember who I was there with, but I do remember Sofia Kansanova getting up and running out of the cinema, about to throw up because one of them started drinking horse semen. And like she tried to come back in, started gagging again, and left the room. Like that is that's a great response from a film. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's a horror movie that's, in the world that's, that's, that's done that to that's somebody. Definitely eliciting an emotional response there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect to see another one of these films, though. These guys are pushing fifty. They're old. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a what's his name, the Mangoy Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. Uh, there's a shot of him at the start, and he's like really the old, white and hair. he's like. Yeah, that's about right. I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah, it looked old, but it, it felt about right. But then mm. uh, later in the trailer, I think it's revealed that it was he's in costume or something. Okay. There, there's a picture of him like that going around. And, did you send it to me, Brian? Where yeah, like, yeah. The quote is, I want to see this Joker movie. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I kind of see it. I saw Steve-O on one of, his, what's one of his podcasts, and he just said the the one of the things I notice about doing this when you're older is... And um, when you get knocked out, it takes longer for you to wake up. Yeah, he's crazy. The he's probably the craziest out of them all. I think. Yeah, he was like a circus clown, like Mad Carney, like when he when he came on board with them. I always liked the party boy though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just the funniest, and his music was always cool. I'm on the fence about it because it's it's kind of sad. What? Because Knoxville's made some money and he's made a few of these things. Stevo's leaned heavy into stand-up in the last decade so he's working he's he's between that and his podcast i'm sure he's financially stable some of these guys this is 
this is the thing keeping them going and it's kind of sad like it's like it's a young person's game yeah they shouldn't be doing it at their age there's the it's the shakespeare thing is how ill gray hair fits a clown you know well it's like watching harrison ford try to you know crack a whip in uh, the last indiana jones film you have to use cuts because you're pretty sure he wasn't able to crack the whip <laughs> will you watch jackass 3 uh i'll avail of it somehow and watch it at home you won't go to the cinema no oh. brian would you go to the cinema you just uh, advocated pretty hard yeah, for during, that being the way to see it during normal circumstances i would um i don't know if i will by the time it's out but i i do think it is the way to see them yeah under normal under normal circumstances i would be going to the cinema to all right best of luck lads please don't die making these stupid films you, you were too old for it in 2004 I mentioned the Snake Eyes. There's a final trailer for that thing. I think it's out. Um, we don't need to dwell on that too much. Um, it's not getting great reviews. I Yeah, the review... I sent you a review and the headline was Dear God, please let me see a fight scene. Like, it's all cut and close-ups and stuff. Yeah. One of the the reviews they put up on screen was The Best G.I. Joe Film Yet. It's like, that is damning with faint praise. It's not saying a lot. The first one was okay, wasn't it? Is that I don't Marlon think so. Wayans in the Iron Man suit? Not sure. I remember, I vaguely remember when it came out. It wouldn't have been on my radar, but I remember it was being billed as one of those films that you expect to be crap. Hmm. But it was actually okay, so I watched it. can't remember it, so it couldn't have been that good. It's nice yeah, I, I don't remember a moment of it. Yeah. I, I remember the same shot I saw on every YouTube ad, every TV show, and every trailer of two guys in kind of Iron Man suits slow-mo rotating horizontally under a car or something that's the only impression i have of that film and then suicide squad's out next week mm-hmm. yeah did you see that uh clip by senses the guy with the detachable arms yeah is that, that Nathan Fillion? yeah i'm probably not gonna go see it that's that's kind of the question you're not a gun fan no, Johnsy, would fan. you would you not saying that you'd go to the cinema in these current circumstances. Would you go and see it? I, if I was at cinema, yeah, I'd probably go see it. I'm not a gun fan either, um, but it looks like he's been given a bit of free reign to make it. Is it an or? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, to be honest with you, it wasn't on my radar at all until I saw that clip yesterday where the guy's arms detach mm. and starts slapping everybody. And I went, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that that's, that gives me some hope. Kind kind of ineffectually slapping people. Yeah, that's a good gag. It's a good side gag. Kenneman going, I didn't pick the team. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to go and see it, but I don't get out to the cinema. Um, it's not. Is it streaming online or is it only cinemas? I think it's streaming as well. Okay, it, oh, HBO, HBO, it's streaming. Planned for this everything this year. It was yeah, same day day and days streaming and cinema so just as you mentioned hbo there it reminds me that um i've seen something saying at the very least michael b jordan's production company is involved in the new superman thing is he playing superman uh there's no word yet whether he'll the, be the one playing yeah, it but he's involved in it <clears throat> they've been saying for a while that like they want to cast a black actor but yeah whether it will be or not i'd like to see him as superman i think he'd be a good superman yeah yeah i watched I watched his, uh, that Amazon film, uh, the Tom Clancy. Is it Tom Clancy? Yes. Uh, no Remorse Without Remorse. 
without remorse, yeah, not bad. It uh, started off, I thought it was going to be a real uh, formulaic action film, but it kind of kicks in after the first act. Uh, I enjoyed it. Mm. I like him. I like him as an actor. I haven't watched it yet. It it does have a sort of like throwback action film look to it in the trailers. You know, yeah. it does make me think of like Steven Seagal stuff. Um, like hard oh, to no. kill. I know. I, I not Steven Seagal stuff as it actually is, but Steven Seagal as an eight year old Aiden perceived him as a hero yeah. and a um, a role model. I'd put it more in the Harrison Ford, uh, John Grisham character. Okay, those kind of films. Not that I know after seeing it, but that's what what my. Uh, oh, do you do you mean the the one where he's Jack Ryan, like the yeah the Jack Ryan. that's Clancy as well actually. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's where I was getting confused. I was, I was thinking, is it a new Jack Ryan that Michael B is playing? But it's not. Yeah, that confused me when that was coming out as well because it's the same world. It's is Clancy. It? It's on Amazon, but apparently they're distinguishing the two as separate universes. Okay. Um. So you're not going to see John Krasinski popping up, apparently. No, that that was a good film, and like, what was it uh, Creed? Mm. You know, when he was great in Black Panther, he's he's, he's got presence. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, he's definitely physically capable. And he's um, I think the the kind of the hallmark of somebody that's going to be around for a long, long time is once you start seeing them, everything's coming out under their production company or their moniker or they're deeply involved. Mm. He's making work for himself. You know, he's behind a couple of animation projects. He was involved in one of the Love, Death and Robot things. It'd just be nice to see them do something with Superman. Different. Fresh. You know, it's just so stagnant. Absolutely. It hasn't been handled. Superman hasn't really been handled great or they they haven't done much with them since Donner did we mention Donner mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago R.I.P. Richard Donner I'm, I know I mentioned I meant to um, I think we Lethal did. Weapon Superman pretty sure we did I, I went to watch Lady Hawk but I didn't in the end what's Lady Hawk it's a Richard Donner movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Broderick medieval thing where a guy turns into a hawk or woman turns into a hawk. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen it at all. No. Oh, I've I remember, I've seen it. I remember seeing it on TV a couple of times. I really liked it. Good. Yeah, I like it. It's on um, Disney Plus. But I'm also a big Michelle Pfeiffer fan, so you know. I'm. Yeah. I mean. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid on some Saturday, kind of loving it. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Okay. Is there any other sort of trailers or coming outs things? upcoming that you guys want to talk about still pretty quiet really isn't it yeah there's a there's a couple of like horror movies i saw trailers for but like i'm not a horror movie guy um neil blomkamp has one um coming neil blomkamp has a film horror film coming um what was his last film was his last film uh the robot was it um chappie was that his last film i think so yeah. yeah did he get involved in some telly stuff i don't know he he went away for a while anyway chappie was underwhelming yeah I'm not a fan of Blomkamp or Chappie. Blomkamp. No, he, he had a couple of okay films to begin with. District uh, Nine is District it? Nine isn't even that great. That was such an overhyped film because people had hadn't seen no, something he, like it before and just blew their minds. Yeah, but it's not a great film. It's got a nice aesthetic. It though. does. Yeah, got a nice aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, what ruined Chappie for me was uh, the Antwoord. The Antwoord. Yeah. <laughs> They shouldn't have been in that film. Yeah. Was there some... There was some assertion that Blomkamp was just into your one Yolandi. 
I'm not sure. They're both South African, aren't they? Yeah. It's like, and they were very zeitgeist at the time for them. It was, was quite high, but, you know, they're in a lot of trouble now as well, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. What are they doing? They're racist. Uh, yeah. Simply put. Homophobic. Homophobic. They, some about festivals they've been playing, other artists have been refusing to play with them on the same bill. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about them to pass any comment on them, but I just, they they ruined Chappie. Well, Blomkamp ruined Chappie. But, yeah. like, that could have, like, that, was, that felt like it should have been, like, action movie short circuit, and it somehow wasn't. Like, it looked cool going into it, and then, nah. And what's his new film? Do you know what the... Give me a moment, because uh, I watched a bunch of trailers this morning, and it's either it's either one where somebody's getting possessed in a virtual reality world. Um, maybe it's called Demonic. I think it's that one. Um, I watched a bunch of trailers this morning, so... Um, yeah, Neil, Neil Blomkamp, Demonic. A young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are revealed. But it's got a, like, a VR component so she's going into vr to deal with i guess i'm really trying to extrapolate here from some trauma but it actually starts unleashing a demon possession or something so i guess they're trying to cross the exorcist with flatliners and um, virtuosity yeah a little bit of that yeah the lawnmower man yeah i don't know if i'll probably pass on that one i mean i I barely got through the trailer um which is a shame um so we had a piece of, or we had a little uh, piece of feedback from a listener. Um, this is Catherine. She watched Loki and uh, the Black Widow and wanted to give us her thoughts. Uh, if you would like to similarly send in thoughts, reviews, feedback, or comments, you can do so at theendlesscast at gmail.com. I'm going to play this now. You guys let me know if you can hear this. Hey guys, long time fan. My thoughts on Loki, disappointing last episode. The whole series, so forgettable, looked cheap. Lost the character of Loki completely. You just stepped aside and watched everything happening around. I don't think it's anything to do with the actors and the other work that they did. Felt like it was more writing, directing issues. Felt like Owen Wilson was the main character. Same as shows the Winter Soldier Falcon show. Needed a lot of background info from the series to follow what was happening. I felt WandaVision was the strongest on all fronts. So even Winter Soldier offered a great concept of where do you put everyone who came back from Annihilation? Whereas I didn't feel like Loki offered much more. I also had the TVA was too similar to the Umbrella Academy concept. But I think the TVA was the strongest plot element. And just as a side note, I watched Black Widow in the cinema. So first time going to the cinema and I liked it. But what occurred to me for a very long time, I actually thought Wanda and Black Widow were the same character. So for me anyway, it was an indication of how sidelined those side characters were. And it's great that they finally get to tell more of their story. So thanks very much. Let's tear her apart, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame she felt that way about the last episode. I'm actually like non uh, indifferent to every episode leading up to the last episode. Uh, I felt like kind of all other episodes were just feeding into this reveal, which was masterfully done. I thought um, Jonathan uh, Majors just chewed the scenery. 
You know, he probably came in with with with, with um, what's Loki's actor? Is middle or uh, Hiddleston? Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, like you know, he chose the furniture with uh, him being as the Shakespearean actor that he is. But Jonathan Majors just relished in the and then his, his the dialogue was fantastic. Yeah, I, it's I guess like in listening to her review on it, I'm trying to understand the mindset from which he's approaching it. I mean, I know myself and Brian and mm. Kevin anyway. Not speaking for you, Bowie. Um, you know, we were we were kind of deeply involved in what Kang could be leading up to it and what he means for the wider sense of the universe. For that show in that moment, you know, is th- is that a good resolution for somebody who's just invested in these six episodes? I don't know. Um, for me, who's looking at the next five years of Marvel films, I think it's set up so much and was really impressive. Well, it's three people in a room for most of the episode. That that did. Did not drag at all. It was I, I was riveted. Like I just thought it was just a really neat concept, and I loved the way they did just a full reveal, you know, of everything that was going on, and then what the, what 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 can happen, and also uh, Hiddleston's reaction when uh, when 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 Sylvie pushed him away. That was I, I thought that was a great scene where he's just kind of going, you know, fuck it. Yeah, it, it is. Um... It's interesting watching it, like, I was trying to, like, what the show was doing in terms of traditional television versus what it was aiming at broadly. Like, I got hung up on, you know, what was Sylvie's plan with those time bombs? I mean, did that do anything? You know, but it it didn't matter, really, in, in the long run. Like, there were a few points like that. The concept of the, the temporal buddy cop seven movie where they're hunting a serial killer, that kind of went out the window in episode two, didn't it, Brian? Yeah, I I think that was just more. They it was a kind of a reference point for them creating mm. it, but it wasn't where they were taking it, and it was a mistake for them to kind of point it out when we didn't know what the show was really about yet. To kind of allude to it that that might be where it was going, because I I don't think that it was something. It was more a product of the conversation that they were having around it when the episodes were coming out and not actually something that was present mm. in the episodes itself. So for them to talk about it, it kind of created the wrong impression. I don't think it was necessarily the episode, the episodes doing, you know? So yeah. I don't think I don't think it was a fault of the storytelling in terms of the, the execution, but more the the press around it episode to episode was, was kind of misleading. I think some of the Marvel people... And maybe it's not their fault, it's more the fans, but how do you tell a group of fans to do it? Managing expectations. Like, people are setting their brains in one direction and then coming away disappointed. It's like, I think we need to just start taking these things more cold. You know, just see what you get and be surprised. Some of the best films I've ever seen, I didn't know what the fuck. Like, Lady Hawk, I didn't know what the fuck... You know, one day I just turned on a television and Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were singing and I'm like, what is this? And then I watched Blues Brothers all night, you know? There's something to just finding something cold, whereas Marvel fans are looking yeah. for scouring comics for every hint of anything that it could be and then they're disappointed when it's not what they wanted, you know? Well, that's the thing. I think I would have had a different experience from you. Although listening to the podcast while it was going on, it was the only time I ever heard any kind of discussion about what could be what you know it's it's probably if i hadn't listened to your podcast i probably would have 
even be more surprised <laughs> when Kang when Kang revealed himself. But um, still, well, we, we talked ourselves into it not being Kang. Yeah, you know, we, we we talked ourselves into it. There's no way they're wasting Kang in this. It's going to be Loki, and then that's, Kang opens the door. That's a good thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was genuinely surprised when it happened, and it was great. Yeah, yeah I, 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 that's the thing. That's one of the questions I was raising was that how intentional was that? Because did they really want us to be second guessing ourselves, or was it just a happy accident because we had kind of expectations for WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier that didn't really come around? And is it a product of the fact that we had so much kind of doubt in our own guessing? Was all that intentional? Or because they had set so many obvious signs that it was Kang. Um, so, yeah. Like, did they want us to kind of, in that moment, because basically, like, when when those elevator doors were opening, the anticipation was so much greater because I was like, is it going to be Tom Hiddleston or is it going to be Jonathan Majors? Like, which is it going to be? And then it was so much bigger when it was Majors because it was like, oh, wow, they're, they're fucking mm. doing it. They're introducing him here. This is this is cool. If I had been Hiddleston, I probably would have just turned it off. <laughs> it, I, think, I think it would have been slightly underwhelming to just find... Yeah. I, 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 I had resigned myself to the fact that it was probably going to Hiddleston, but in my head I wanted it to be Richard E. Grant, like a variant of a much older, like that Richard E. Grant Loki was kind of, kind of defeated, and pathetic to a degree. Even if he was still going on, I was like, let's see a version of old Loki in the Kirby costume who's filled out. Do Grant. you mean not 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 have him earlier in the show? And no, I, I mean just having another variant of him. It's it's not the one we saw die on the gateway. Uh, maybe. Because we, we saw a dozen Hiddlestons, you know. What's to say the all-powerful version of Loki isn't someone who survived to an older age and now runs yeah. time? Yeah, I know? suppose. I'm ashamed he killed. Well, I'd like to see Richard E. Grant uh, get something else out of that. You know that? He, you mm. see the Star Wars video he made? He's just so happy. It's almost... That's, I, I, it's kind of endearing because he's so happy to just be involved in things. I, I always see him as it's Whitnail has finally had success later in life. <laughs> mm. That's how I always see him. Yeah, that's kind of how like, it feels. Yeah, he's just got this hangdog fucking thing about him that's like, I don't know. I, like, I am happy to see him have success, but he, he, um. Yeah, he just. Did you ever see the video? Weeks of insecurity, doesn't he? Did you ever see the the video Limmy made? No. It's a side by side. Limmy's just impersonating him. Do it. I don't know if it's side by side. Limmy impersonates the video, and he just—it's horrible. It's just such a mean thing to do. Impersonates the Star Wars thing. Yeah, yeah. He and he just exaggerates. But even though he's exaggerating it, it's not that far off. That's what's, I think that's what's so sad about it. For any listeners, Limmy is a Scottish comedian who has a show on Netflix called Limmy's Show. He has a Twitch channel. He does, a very successful one. How would you describe Limmy to somebody who's never heard of Limmy? Limmy is a Scottish Tim Heidecker. <laughs> okay, that brings me to my next point. You mentioned Tim Heidecker earlier in the week. Tell us about Tim Heidecker's shows, because I went ah. to that YouTube channel and everything was an hour and a half long. What was an hour and a half long? I went to his YouTube channel because I said I'd watch some stuff, but like I was just looking at like hour-long videos, and I went, oh, "I'm not doing this." Is there hour-long videos? No, what I was talking about was on cinema. That's there's like I recently 
So this is Tim Heidecker on cinema. Yeah. And what's the concept of it? It is a YouTube show, right? It's it was is an Adult Swim. Uh, I think they're ten minutes long, and it's just him and Greg Torkington, uh, who's a I think he's an underground or an alternative comedian from LA. Uh, but they they play these two characters where like Tim Heidecker does his uh, zealous sociopath character that he does so well, like that. You don't know what's real and what's not real with him. I don't know if he's really like that in life. <laughs> but and then Greg Torkington is this kind of uh, fanboy of old of, of movie Hollywood movies, and the, the, it's just it starts off with them the dynamic between the two of them reviewing movies. But as it's gone on, oh, I think it's about eight years now they've been doing it. It's just branched out into a whole separate universe. They in show start talking about writing a show called Decker. It's kind of an action movie uh, thing. They actually did the series, several series of Decker, and it's it's Tim Heidecker's character from on cinema. It's, it's just it's really meta, you know. Uh, and then they and every year they do like the, the 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 Oscar specials where it's it's a really hard thing to explain. It's 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 almost like theater, you know. So w- when you say it's on cinema, right? Are they like? It, it's make I haven't watched it. All right, so I'm sorry. Um, but it's it's making me think of like movie review shows. It, it is. Is it? It's yeah. it's that. Do they actually review movies? They do, but like um, half-assed and 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 like they give every film basically five stars. They don't. They never. It's just it's 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 that's that's just a pretense for the show. They like right. they'll do whatever films are out that week. They'll talk about them, you know. Um, and I think another meta thing that happened was. Tim Heidecker ended up getting a cameo in in uh, Fantastic Four, and Greg Torkington has a speaking role in Ant Man, and they were both there at the same time. But it was just like the, the, the two of them hate each other the, as it goes on. But is this a real um, dysfunctional relationship? The characters the or do. do the actual actors? No, no, dislike the actors are no, okay. good friends. It, okay. That's the thing is you don't know what's real and what's not. Where real. is the line? But it's just like the sub. This this stories start with like um, Tim's wife leaving him, then him marrying or getting involved with a Japanese exchange student nanny. Then they have a kid, and the kids he names the kid Tom Cruise Heidecker, um, and then she leaves him. And this is all going on every week as it as it goes on. This is he gets strung out on these drugs, uh, vape, and and each week he seems deteriorating, and it's all like um. It's 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 uh, basically what I was saying to you is like I've only discovered it in the last year, um, right. and I, it got, it caused me to go and actually watch Tim and Eric's awesome show because it was like by you know osmosis I I knew what it was. Uh, you'd see it pop up in memes and things like this, but like that, yeah. I've just I've fallen into. I subscribe to High Network now, five euros a month. Just, uh, they've taken on cinema off YouTube uh, and Adult Swim have cancelled it, I think. So they have their own website now. I'm, 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 a, I'm a complete convert. Well, well, that's my question then. Can I watch it on YouTube? You can watch the old ones, yeah. But I'd recommend going back, go on cinema, season one, episode one. It's ten minutes long. Just You, you really would need to watch them in chronological order because it ends up a couple of years ago, they did a special four-hour court case where Tim Heidecker organized a music festival and 
uh, about 20 people died from the drug vape that he was pushing. <laughs> and then they shot the court case in a real courtroom. I remember before I knew anything about on cinema, I saw it pop up on my YouTube and I was like, is this a real court case? Because it's, and then you watch it, it's, it's crazy. But like, it, 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 there's so many layers to the universe. It's fantastic. But watch episode one and then just watch it as it progresses. And it just, um, it just grows naturally out of that. Yeah, and it's like where they go is just I don't know. I I, I find a hard comedy. Uh, I, I'm quite very selective about comedy. I find it hard to find stuff that I like, and this is just like, it just does not stop being funny for me. I love okay. the characters, you know. Cool. Have you ever watched any of that, Brian? I've seen some of it. I think I've seen more. Um, video essays and people talking about it than I've seen actual episodes of and stuff like that but that, that's kind of more how I was aware of it um, I think I think was, about it like Eric, like the Eric Andre show as well no yeah because no. he, he's got a sort of chat show format right where he yeah. brings people on and shit gets weird in 10 minutes See, well this is the thing with on cinema though it's played really straight you know Tim Heidecker's just an arsehole his character is just a horrible person and he, he uses Greg Torkin as a punch bag. He, he, you know, he never, he like one of the ongoing jokes is he always has Greg Torkington on as a guest. He'll never give him a co-host uh, credit. All oh, right. Okay. Goes on for years. And then like once a year they do the Oscar special where it's usually about three or four hours long. Um, and it's just, it's ad-libbed. It's it, it, things that the, yeah, it, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it but I'd recommend watching at least the first season and they're only 10 minutes long and the reason I was thinking of it recently as well is that when the I paid for the Hoi Network um, purely to get this year's Oscar special because this was the first year that they didn't have it live on or free on YouTube uh, and I was watching Nimi's uh, Twitch stream and uh, he was discussing about buying tickets to watch it as well and I was like that's pretty cool and actually I Heidecker, Tim Heidecker's podcast, they interviewed Limmy last year as well. And Limmy was talking about how um, in his first season of his show, uh, a lot of people were comparing to Tim and Eric's awesome show in terms of uh, form and content, you know. Uh, and he, Limmy was, when in the interview, was telling Heidecker how it did influence the remaining uh, series of uh, Limmy's show. So yeah, that's it was really weird seeing the two of them together because they, they're pretty much culturally couldn't be culturally different but in terms of this kind of you know anger comedy <laughs> mm. they both do it really well okay cool yeah. great recommendation so, five bags of popcorn easily five bags of popcorn love it <laughs> <laughs> um, and from that top class piece of entertainment I'm going to move us on to Netflix's new dating show Sexy Beasts we talked about this briefly on a previous episode. We saw the trailer. Um, Brian loved the concept. And um, I think he sent in an application to the show, right? This hurts my soul. <laughs> um, so I watched it all. Um, they the, the concept is... like They put... It's like... Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Let's get to know people's personalities. Can you like somebody without ever seeing what they actually look like? Um, and they put people in really kind of high-end 
special effects masks for like animal stuff it's mental it's a mental show i don't watch these dating shows stuff i just kind of like special effect stuff in the same way that kev likes that show like there's a reality show with like competitive makeup artist stuff i like the effects work it's it's kind of interesting these people i like talking about it in even remotely logical terms is such a complete waste of time but i'm still going to do it because it's just fabricated horseshit this person from Atlanta, Georgia, wants to meet the love of their life. We're introducing him to a person from Brighton in a hotel in Manchester. And it's like, that's not going to work as a relationship. This doesn't work from the offset. They live on completely separate continents. This is bullshit. If that's my biggest problem with it. The the people they have on as well, like... One of the guys is dressed as a mandrill. Like, it's a, an ape with a big colourful nose in the first episode. And he spends the entire first section going, I think she's going to like me better when she sees me. And it's like, okay, well, this guy's... If this is about proving your personality is what can sell you as a person, this guy proved his personality is dog shit from the very fucking beginning. I enjoyed it. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Kevin sent a review. And I'm going to play this. Uh, he wanted to contribute to this week's episode, even though he couldn't make it today. Howdy folks, howdy Brian, Aiden and Jangzi. Um my thoughts on sexy beasts. I think the show set out to prove that beauty is only skin deep and it's all about personality. However, that's true. But if you regardless of how you look, if you look like a weird animal of some sort. And you have a shit personality. You're still not great. And if you remove that makeup and you're good looking, semi good looking, you're not good looking. It's all irrelevant if you have a shit personality, basically. Um, He's killing me. What the is people going on the show are weird. Are they his last dying words? Why did they all want to fall in love, like, so desperately? It's like, you're not bloody 45. You're not even fucking 25. You're probably 21. Uh, I don't get it. God, the people on it were the worst. They were vapid and weird and crazy and creepy. So creepy. Honestly, like, sometimes you look at it and you'd be like, ha, 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 that's kind of funny, or that person's like, quirky, weird, funny. And then you see them with the personality, or then you see how they actually look like. And it's like that personality doesn't suit that looks, and now you're just kind of a creep. Um, oh, like, kind of, they're all so socially awkward and weird. It's like, why haven't they developed normal social skills and cues? It's just weird. And... They're intense as fuck. Like, one day with some sort of beaver-human hybrid, and they're like, yeah, I don't care what he looks like, I'm in love. Uh, they're the most amazing things that ever happened in my life, and I can't wait to marry them and have kids. And it's just like, what? It's like, the instant gratification that society wants today has stressed so far that it's even in our love lives. I don't get it. Mental show. Um, yeah, wild. Absolutely wild. Because there's animals, and the animals are wild. Uh, no, I don't get it. Weird show. I don't like it. Um, would I watch season two of it? Yes, of course I would. I'm not stupid. Um, the makeup was awesome. Every episode I watched it, I would I would pick which one I liked best. 
the ultimate winner, I think, was Dinosaur Girl or Grasshopper Man. They were brilliant. I think Eber loved Grasshopper Man or Dinosaur Girl, and I loved Grasshopper Man. Some people on the show were nice. Some people were pretty sweet. Archie the statue, I liked him. Um, Grasshopper Man seemed pretty sweet, and Dinosaur Girls seemed pretty nice. They were probably the nicest people. Um, there were some absolute Stranger Danger characters on it. Mandrill being one, he was very scary. Very scary. Don't know. The show, is it problematic? I have no idea. However, it sets out to prove that beauty is only skin deep, where it does the opposite. It literally it literally shows me that, like, no, personality can only take it so far as well. Like, you could be a... Go on, like, well, I suppose it does prove beauty is only skin deep because personality can only take it so far. But then all the people on the show had terrible personalities. So they didn't pick the best examples, really. That's what I'm trying to say. The show's awful. You know a show's bad when it has people in animal costumes and the furry community doesn't like it. Anyways, peace out, guys. This also includes as my appearance on the podcast, so I haven't missed an episode yet. So screw you guys. Is he stoned? What's happening? Is he on a wine test? This is a bit... Um, uh, what's with the surprise? What what kind of people do you think are going to put themselves forward for a show like that? Do you know what was weird to me beyond the whole concept of the show? In this day and age, on a Netflix production, I watched six episodes of it, and they just went cis relationship each time. I was like, there's not going to be one gay couple or lesbian couple. There's no diversity in that regards in this show that's kind of weird for a show in 2021 that centers around dating to not do any of that am i wrong here's the thing i like the show first dates i think it's a good show i like seeing people meeting for the first time in a restaurant i think it's i think it's one of the more genuine reality tv shows out there i like that show just like what whose idea was this and why and why is it a thing? And why are we still talking about it? The Masked it's just, Dancer. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible idea. The Masked Singer, The Masked Dancer, and then this. It doesn't matter if it's a good idea or not. It's just, if it's successful once, let's try and do this yeah. with something else. There's a dating show, I think. I, I don't know what it's called. Is it? I think it's called like Two to Tango, where they teach two people a dance, like there's two parts to the dance they each learn you know it's a choreographed couples dance and the first time they meet each other it's in like a staged set where they just do the dance and it's like a musical meeting do you know what i mean these these shows are getting pretty high concept is basically what i'm saying and it's not really going to add much to the relationship well, right i don't need to this, be this is the thing though these people are all psychologically vetted for to be the most conflict possible you know what i mean it's like it's no one cares on the production about whether they're going to find true love or anything. They want them. They want to get the crazies in, get people laughing. 
there's a guy who keeps showing off his muscles. He's clearly a bodybuilder, and they do the reveal at the end where they meet each other without the masks. And he's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Um, here, let me do this. And he takes off his jacket, and you think they're outside, he's going to hand her the jacket. But he just puts the jacket on the ground and does a fucking muscle <laughs> pose and turns 360 degrees, and you see her just go... He probably did that in his interview, and the production team went, can you do that again when you come and take the suit off? Make it seem like you're going to do something human and empathetic, and then just drop your jacket and spin 360 mm-hmm. degrees and go drink it all in. Um, weird. Sexy Beast is available on Netflix. Everybody give it a watch. When I saw the clip yesterday, actually, I thought it was a scripted comedy show. No, but like, it's the clip. I didn't, I didn't clock it as a reality show. I thought it was a comedy show. If you had told me that was SNL, mm-hmm. I would have said, wow, they really put the budget up for fucking costumes on SNL. Like, I don't know. Is it scripted? Maybe I should go back and look at the credits and look for it's writers. It's scripted, but it's definitely contrived and, and you know, mm-hmm. it's edited. It's like, you know, Tom Segura is on, on, on the Two Bears podcast a while ago. He was talking about... Um, how he—that's what he started off as as an editor on reality shows, and he said the things all that, reality shows are scripted. Yeah, the things that they do, they they, they like you say. The, the, I used to enjoy the old Big Brother years ago, not because of the characters. I didn't care about them. It's, it's the team that were making that show were 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 sadistic, and they do things to really cause conflict. And it was just like it was enjoyable to watch. It, like this stuff hurts my soul like i can't watch reality tv it's just it really does like it makes me want to throw myself in front of traffic it just it hurts to watch i feel bad watching it my life feels cheaper watching it every second i hate it i think they're i think they work if you're watching it with someone else usually a significant other that's my experience of them or i wouldn't watch them alone yeah that makes sense well, I, I, I watched them on my own. <laughs> We're on Netflix. Let's get to the main meat of today's podcast. He-Man. Ma- no, sorry, let me rephrase. Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Did y'all watch um, Powerhouse Animation, Netflix production, Kevin Smith's show running, Masters of the Universe? Yep. Brian? It's bad. Did you watch it all there? Yes. Okay. It's bad. I wouldn't go so far as saying it's bad. I'm just indifferent to it. Yeah, I, I think with this, like, let's let's try and find some of the good in it. Um, yeah. Because it, it is aimed at a, like, it's a kid's show to I begin with, but it is also aimed, aimed at kids. Because it, episode one, starting off, assumes we know who all these characters are. When, like, the sorceress blasts skeletor that's supposed to be a big moment because we're coming in watching it with like 30 odd years of um, in the background and it's a big deal i don't think this is for kids i think it's made for people who grew up with it watching it i remember a few years ago something about he-man was really popular with kids it was i think it was released on youtube for free and it was like in an effort to build up brand awareness so I think I, th- I, th- I I'm not don't I'm not 100 sure on that, but I think they have created an audience in preparation for this big onslaught. You know. Either way, though, I I'm, I'm a, I watched it when I was a kid, and nothing that happened in it really you didn't care about. <laughs> it was it was a it was an animated TV ad, you know. Yeah, there, there's a thing with this sort of show that there were 
fucking nerds giving out about the Thundercats Go t- show as well, where it's like, this isn't the Thundercats show we wanted. Like, there's been so many versions of He-Man. I'm just happy to get different versions of things. And just rest assured, if you didn't like this one, give it a few years. The next one's coming. He-Man and the Master of the Universe is 1983. They made a show in 1990 that was much more sci-fi themed. He traveled to the future. I don't know if you remember that one. He was blonde and had a ponytail. No. Um, Vaguely. They they remade, uh, or they did a different interpretation of the original concept in 2002. And now we have Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is claiming to be the original series kind of turned up to 11. The, the thing about He-Man is, though, it died a death. It's like the the TV show um, just became ridiculous. So I think I watched uh, one of those Netflix documentaries on it there last year about how they just went the toys crazy with the toys. No, I think it was more about the show itself, the shows okay. that made us. Shows that made um, That the the, the 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 Mattel just started creating all these crazy characters that were just silly. Just pushing them into the show, and the show the show tapered off, and then I think the death knell was the movie, mm-hmm. and then and then and for for like little little ten year old me or whatever uh, for me I, was, I don't remember l- lamenting the loss of He Man. I, I think I just moved off. It was just you know, I, I'm sure people. I don't know. It's I'm not I'm not big for nostalgia. You know, uh, I know there's that people out there. There's an audience that like reminds them of you know eating cereal in their pajamas watching TV and watching cartoons so I, I don't think I have that connection with it but in terms of the show I think he, they did They, I think they did the best job they can do with the source material so just to just before we get a little bit deeper into and like we're going to tear it apart because we tear everything apart and I'm going to try and flag stuff I liked because I'd like to try and bring a bit of the positive to things as well Um. It's the same world that we saw in the 80s. Powerhouse is doing their their thing. It looks cool. Um, We have a battle at Castle Grayskull and He-Man is lost. He is killed. Adam is dead. The sword of power is split into two and sent to various underworld overworlds. The rest of the series is a kind of hero's quest thing. Kind of probably straight Campbellian if I start ticking boxes. Um, Try to find the swords to bring back uh, the power to Grayskull and you know the show kind of gives us He-Man back towards the end and it becomes then about Anshur uh, Tila Evelyn who else we Orko. see Man of Arms Orko's there as well Beastmaster Triclops yeah, we do get to see Triclops I forgot his fucking name the the they they stuck with all the goofy jazz toy names there's uh a skull nightmare character who glows in the dark and this is pure like we have the toy doing it so his name is Scareglow. Triclops confused me. Um what's the yeah, the deal with him is his eyes change to emote his his emotions, isn't it? To, to communicate his emotions. But I don't think when they flicked they didn't really look like they were I wasn't reading up what emotions. One was, was a circle, one was a square yeah, and one yeah. was a Triangle. I I guess I don't remember that character that well. I could have sworn that um, the, his shtick was that he he emotes to his eyes. If he's angry, he had an angry eye. Like there's definitely a contingent of the internet that are annoyed that there are women in the leading roles of this thing. Ah, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> Giving them the broadest 
benefit of the doubt you possibly can i can go i guess they wanted a he-man show and he isn't the protagonist of this but the show is called masters of the universe not he-man and the masters of the universe and a great clue is you've got sarah michelle geller lena hetty Liam cunningham uh mark hamill as the joker uh, you as the joker you've got kevin conroy you have a huge cast of voice actors and he-man is played by a guy called chris wood and is is he in the vampire diaries or something i don't i don't know who the man is and that's not to slight the guy but if you wanted to know who the lead is they cast sarah michelle geller yeah <laughs> mm. one good thing was they differentiated uh adam and he-man physically that that never made sense in the eighties. No, I guess you had the molds no, I mean, already it, made. It did make sense. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it was a cheap production. Mm. Yeah. What did you think of the animation then, Brian? Not good. Not good. It's um, not. It, it it it. Look, when things are in motion, you can make allowances. When it's a bit limited, you're like, okay, look, things are kind of caught for time. But there's a lot of times where it's like a still shot of a character's face or something, and it's blinks. It's it's bad i was checking blinks there was very few blinks blinking is thinking as keith foran used to say um and probably still does um i i was looking at it going there is some really weird staging here that is like really flat Mm -hmm. odd Mm -hmm. profile poses of characters like that are they trying to emulate the 80s limitedness here because that looked awful in a couple of places and especially in that first episode to to be honest with you wearing my, my 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 layout hat I was starting to do that a lot during it. It's like when I'm not enjoying something so much, or I'll just start looking at it technically. And it was just there was a lot of shots I was looking at going, oh, I can just imagine the wars going on in the production office with the director and this and the, the crew, like you know about how are we going to do this shot? And like it was one shot where uh, when Evelyn was pretending to be the old lady, and instead of handing in the bag of gems, she just throws it on the ground. Yeah, and I was I thinking think that was, <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what? I automatically started thinking then was, uh, there must have been like several meetings with the animation leads and 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 and, and layout and the director about, look, this is a re- we don't have the rig for this, we don't have this, and he goes, ah, just have her throw it on the ground. Uh, that's 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 what I'm saying. That's what I start looking at, and it 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 it, it does look good. Like I think it's, I find what they're going for is kind of an in between the original show and the kind of heavy metal, uh, 70s, 80s fantasy kind of art, which I was never a fan of, the elongated kind of facial structures and things like that. It's, it's, but it does it kind of works with the colors, but um, mm-hmm. but but the animation though I just found. Why didn't they just do it in Tomb Boom or something and, and, and have a fluid? Especially something that's going to have a lot of fight scenes, you know? I think they do a lot of the animation in Tomb Boom, but do it's they? hand-drawn. Like, yeah, 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 I think it's a Harmony hand-drawn stuff. Um, you'll see that in Castlevania as well. If you follow Samuel or Adam Dietz on Twitter, right. they post their, their like work-in-progress stuff. Um, and their stuff is cool. Like, if you watch the opening... If you watch the opening of Castlevania, the sort of especially season one, the the fire effects stuff, I think he said he animated that in Flash over a weekend, just hand drawn, and then all After Effects to fuck. Yeah, I don't know. This, it's... The CG stuff looked horrible. What CG stuff like the, was there? The vehicles are riding around on. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to repeat animation first... loop. Yeah, well, even just like you know, it, it's a 
it's a tank with a dinosaur head and it just looks janky. No, and, the, and again, going back to my professional experience, whenever I see that in 3D, like I worked on a show where the 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 the, the, the uh, go-to expression was uh, when something in the boards was too complicated vehicle-wise or anything. Ah, we'll just CG it. Even though there was no pipe, there was no pipeline set up to handle this, this CG. So what, again, when I was watching it... it did, just, I, did I work on that production? No. Um, oh, yeah, you're one of them. There was a more recent one that was yeah. a big thing. Like, uh, okay. Like, um, but, but, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting, you know, when I'm watching mm. it. But I, I, I just I just felt maybe that wasn't as well funded a project as it should have been for what they wanted to do. Yeah, I did see a, an article where uh, some Japanese studios or some uh, people with I don't know I don't know if it came from Cartoon Brew or where, but the the assertion was that Netflix has moved into animation and is paying anime studios, but they're paying them bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, fuck it, you're making. 200 million subscribers, $10 a month. Like, give us a month's worth and let's make something decent, you know? Nah, well, that's the, the exposure them studios will get. And it's like, Netflix wants as much much content as possible, you know? Yeah, that's, I don't know. It hurts. It hurts if you don't make it good content, though. Though, let's... I, what about the story, then, right? Because... Mm-hmm. The first episode is very much a, like, here's all the characters you know and love. Here's Adam doing his I have the power thing. And then we get into a story. Did you enjoy the story? Simple. It's like they go here, they go there, they go here, and then they go there. And then it's over. Brian? I didn't like it. I didn't see <laughs> the point. I just, I just don't think it was good. Like... It really wants to shock and subvert in the first episode, and that's fine. But I just don't think... I don't think it had anything new or interesting to do with the characters. Would you like to see a He-Man show? I'd like to see any... I mean, like... I was excited about the She-Ra show first because I um, I was a fan of Nimona. Yeah, so... Like, I thought that was a great comic, so I was really kind of excited. Um, I couldn't get into it, but I don't think it's a bad show. Um, I think it was more that it, it like, that show definitely skewed. It definitely had a lot of front-loading introducing but not, not characters. Not even that. It, I, I really think it was more stuff. for kids. It really didn't feel like, you know, I, I didn't get into it, but I don't think that was anything to do with the show. Um, being bad and I think in terms of like production and writing it was a much better show than this is and it was trying to do something interesting with these characters that are essentially kind of came from you know a toy commercial um, Would she ask you to slightly older kids though? I I felt it was younger. Really? Yeah but again I haven't watched all of it but I did you know I couldn't get into it, but I did think it was a good production, you know, and kind of comparing. I surprised that, that they were when they announced that Smith was doing He-Man kind of shortly after She-Ra had aired. Um, you know, it was going to be quite different to, to what they had done over there. So I was like, OK, well, I don't I don't know if that's the best idea, but I'll kind of I'll, I'll give it a look when it when it finally comes out. Yeah, I'm just I just don't think there was 
it's doing anything interesting. I saw somebody say um, about animation production, and this was from like a development person, that like if you're aiming at an audience of six to nine, the true audience is five to seven. That's what sort of Ben 10's mindset is. You know, we, we, we sell it as a six to nine year old thing, but we know the people really watching it are just that bit younger because the younger kids are watching above. Um, this is, I mean, this, like, Powerhouse with Castlevania, Seis Manos, and Blood of Zeus have sort of aimed at, you know, much more adult orientated animation with a bit heavier violence. This, I don't know, this doesn't really do any of that, does it? I mean, there's there's two instances where a sword comes into play and someone actually gets run well, through, that, but that's it's the kind thing. of like you you can't do that in a, a kid show. You 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 can't show somebody being impaled or penetrated in a kid show. The so lockjaw, the lockjaw scene was ridiculous. Um, where I think it's Tila or her companion. It's her companion. What was her companion's name? The shot though that she has, where she uses the saw blade on on lockjaw, and it doesn't show it making contact. And then it cuts away for ages, and I'm like, going, did she kill him? Because the saw blade goes right into his head, into his face, you know? Like, he has the helmet, and then later on in the show, he, Lockjaw shows up again, and he's got, like, a, a crack in his helmet. But it was, like, it was just a weird thing to do, you know? Because, like, by rights, the way it was set up, she should have, like, cleaved his head in half. Yeah. It's like the first episode just felt like a little nostalgia trip. Let's see everybody doing everything. Here's Man of Arms. Here's Triclops. Here's Beastmaster. Here's whatever. And, and everybody getting a look in. As it went on, I did enjoy it more once they started introducing the world bit of it. I had fun with it. I did have fun with it. And like you, not to put words in your mouth, Bowie, but, um, you know, your first reaction was bad. But by the end of it, you were like, it's. I know I was being sarcastic when I posted that. Oh, all right. <laughs> I was waiting. If you hadn't responded, I would have told you. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Sorry. No. You do, so what? You broadly thought it just was bad. Indifferent. I'm not. I have no passion either way. You know, it was yeah. fine. It didn't. It didn't wow me on any level. It didn't surprise me or, or go. Oh, that's a really interesting take. You know, it's like. It was just like. You wouldn't know Kevin Smith had anything to do with it if you didn't. There's a couple of shitty puns in there. Oh, oh, the puns are ridiculous. A couple of like references to like, there's a couple of like. The puns were just vaguely literary references that like I know he loves and says a lot. Right, well, I, I, I feel I, like I, that's him. I, when I say you wouldn't know he wrote, I meant more along the lines of you know, snappy dialogue of what he used to be known for anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. But like uh, the puns were ridiculous. They stuck out for me. And I was like, oh, who yeah. the fuck is writing this? So, uh, if you have to watch some He-Man content, uh, we recommend Dolph Lundgren's Masters yeah. of the Universe from 1987, I Which think. Which isn't, isn't that bad a film. I, I watched, mean, it's... I watched the... Uh, I'd watch it in Highlander in an evening. I watched a video essay on it there a while ago. It's an interesting story as well. <laughs> they, they ran out of money. <laughs> Go on. Towards the last, the last few shots, they went over budget, and they would the studio. I think it was Orion. They wouldn't give them the money, and so they ended up just going in and and, and filming the the fight scene between Skeletor and He Man at the end over a weekend in a soundstage or something. That's why it looks so bad. Because He Man wasn't wasn't being successful then, you know. 
I think the movie took yeah, a, it was ni- the movie was nineteen eighty seven and the show was eighty three. Yeah, so I think the show was done. You I know? think the movie missed. And plus the fact they call it Masters of the Universe. I, I when I was a kid, I was like, "Why is it called Masters of the Universe?" It's He-Man. I, I remember seeing that film for the first time and being completely confused when it ended up in like a music shop in Los Angeles. Somewhere. No, that, like, that was budget we? reasons as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird. It was just like, right, you you gave up on this idea and immediately had to get them into fish out of like was the Star Trek movie where they went to San Francisco out around the same time? Mm, possibly. Still that, yeah, but that, but I believe. I, I, I can't remember this video as I watched about it, but I think the whole bringing them to Earth was just budgetary. <laughs> they couldn't afford to make a fantasy film. That's so weird. Young Courtney Cox as well. Mm-hmm. Who's the, who plays uh, Skeletor? Because he's really good. He does a bit of... Frank uh, Langella. Yeah, yeah. He does some... Uh, Which is tune, mad. Tune up the scenery. Right. Well, that's our that's our review of Master of the Universe. Will you, there's five more episodes coming. Will you watch the back five? If he's having me on as a guest again at the same time. <laughs> if we make you. They can put that on the back of the DVD. Oh, we we got to bring you back, so John. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's a threat. <laughs> right, well then, let's let's move on into the last little phase of it. There, there was some uh, game, video game stuff this week as mm-hmm. well. Battlefield Portal put out a trailer. Um I know Johnsy looked at that. Did you look at that at all? I did. Nah. Brian, that's not your type of game, really, is it? The nah. FPS stuff. Nah. It's not my nah. type you... of game either, though. It's uh, I like keeping up to date on them, though. You know. Are you playing anything at the moment, Brian? Or are you just? No, too busy at the moment. Too uh, busy. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's a Battlefield game coming out called 2042, and it's you know it's another Battlefield game, um, future tech, um, big destructible environments. But during the week, they put up a trailer for a thing called Battlefield Portal which seems to be a real sort of sandboxy way to get into Battlefield. There's a lot of maps from the last six Battlefield games revamped for modern graphics and modern design. Um, You can play as soldiers from any of those games. So you can be a, you know, 1940s World War II ally or German. But you can also do a lot of uh, customizable gameplay where you put, like, and uh, you can build these build these specific game types and share them. So one of the examples they showed was a squad of four soldiers from 2042 fight 32 World War II Nazis, you know? So it's how do how like asymmetric gameplay there. You've got modern tech versus a uh, quality versus quantity, I think was the name of the game type. There's some interesting variety or customization available. What are your thoughts on it, Jonesy? Um yeah, it's doing everything Right, really, I suppose, to compete with Warzone. Um, they're differentiating themselves. The user created content. As far from what I can see, um, uh, from what I've read and, and, and seen videos on, the, the, the diehards are really happy, you know, with the user created content. And like you were saying, the asymmetric, that, that, even I find that interesting. Like, uh, you know, four people with high tech gear going up against, what, was it a World War One or World War Two? I'm not sure, but like, uh, uh, just going up against 30 of them I think that's the kind of thing that they need to do to differentiate themselves from Warzone but again it's, it's not my type of game but like you know uh, oh on a side note uh, Battlefield 1 is currently f- uh, free um, on Amazon Prime if you have an Amazon Prime uh, account uh, you can download Battlefield 1 and then in two weeks Battlefield 5 will be free to download so if you wanted on to get Amazon? familiar with them 
if you Amazon Prime, if you have an Amazon Prime, you I can do. get download. You can get download codes. Where am I downloading it then? Do Amazon have a Steam, game platform? No, Steam. Steam, I think. I think Battlefield One is free this weekend. In general, I think. Um, but I think it's but the Amazon Prime thing. So if you were interested in getting into, I don't think you've played them, have you? No, I'll have a, I'll have a look though. I think I played Battlefield One a little bit on your like PS4 when it came out. Um, I was over at your gaff. Um, and they also they've taken an extra year or so to with this one. You know, they're really so. I don't know. I like the tech. Um, if it'll probably come to Game Pass pretty quickly anyway. So. It's, I don't think I'll be buying it. It's de- but would. it's definitely going to pull people in who are just curious to like play around with stuff, you know. Yeah, um, it's multiplayer only though. That's like I, I think I've bought. I always buy Battlefield, at least when it's on discount, mm-hmm. just to play the single player yeah. campaigns. And then I always remember, oh, these are crap. Um, so they've just done away with the single player campaign. The, yeah. the thing about sales, they're concerned, is they're charging full price for a multiplayer game. You know, that's and then they're going to try and micro transaction you to death inside of it as well. Well, like no, I think costumes learned, yeah, and weaponry. Yeah, yeah, the costumes and weaponry. I think yeah, I've learned to, particularly Dice, have learned a lesson from Battlefield Two, Battlefront Two. What did they do on Battlefront Two? Some crazy gambling loot crates and just caused a furor. Like, yeah, they they took them out. I think. So you could you could pay for upgrades, but you weren't guaranteed anything out of them. Yeah, and it was uh, in some court in Belgium. I think they ruled that it was gambling, to and encouraging underage players to gamble because you pay for something that you don't necessarily don't know you're going to get. It's a gamble. But no, no, I think that's that was a massive thing a few years ago. Would they be stupid? Like every new game you hear coming out, they're always the yeah, developers it, it always keen to stress, game, you know. Yeah, well, developers are always keen to stress. There's no, there's no microtransactions, you know, mm. or uh, or there is small, you know, transactions for cosmetics, whatever. But you can, yeah, you no. can't pay to win. No, is the, I, is the I had there was, there was a rumor Battlefield, the new Battlefield was going to come to Game Pass day one, which would have been cool, but I don't think that's going to happen. Now that EA have the partnership with Game Pass. Well, that game, that game's coming out in October as well, I think. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my eye out for that. Like, I, I'm me and the people I play Warzone with, like, we're still playing it. Um, but there's definitely a fatigue on it where it's like, uh, yeah. like it's a year and a half to two years of that game at this point, and they haven't changed Verdansk much, you know. They'll argue they have, but, you know, I'm, I know where I'm going. I'd love an entirely different map, and Battlefield looks to be providing it. But there's no Battle Royale in that game. Whatever the game types no. are, there's no there's no constricting no. circles, which seems like a. I mean, I guess they're trying to differentiate themselves from what those other battle royale games do, but it also seems like a, like I don't know. I mean, maybe if you put it in, it's the only thing that would get played. Well, no, that's what I was talking about. No, well, they didn't because they did it in Battlefield Five and it flopped. It didn't didn't work out, right? Yeah, uh, okay. they should. It's like um, that's what I'm saying. They're differentiating themselves from uh, mm. from Call of Duty Warzone. You know, it's like just. They do it, and they do it right, and they've got the numbers, so let's go and do something else. Fair enough. The, the maps are huge, though. They look good, yeah. Um, no, look, they, they've always been, battlefield maps have always been huge. I think it's 120 aside in some of them this time. The only um, battlefield game I've played is Bad Company on the PlayStation 3, 
and I, I think I took five times longer to play that game than anyone else because I just wouldn't walk down a road I just went through walls I found that fucking great fun just was like I'm just going to go straight line through the map the other thing is we talked briefly about the Steam Deck last week have you any thoughts on it like, I know you sent me? me that digital foundry video yeah oh yeah well we were talking about we were talking about for our listeners who uh, maybe aren't too familiar with the technical side of things and be wondering should I get this or a switch? You know. Yeah. Have you have you had a chance to look at the specs on it? Like, what do you think? It's, yeah, yeah. Um, what... Technically, the specs are about the same as an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four, but with much newer parts and, and technical specs. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the, the same. The same. The same kind of uh, equipment's going to get much better performance, yeah, and things like that. But like, and the fact that they've they've limited the screen to eight hundred eight hundred p, they've they've basically what they've tried to achieve is make a cheap product that you can play current, so they say, play say or current PC games, at maybe a, a, a de- decent enough settings, at, at locked thirty frames a second. Um, on the go, which is like fantastic, particularly if you have a Steam account with a lot of games. You know? I don't, I don't download enough games to know. And like I was talking about it, kind of out of my arse last week. But like the base model, sixty-four gigs, is that viable for playing no. much? That's not, is it? No, you wouldn't even fit a game on it. Um, like a like you wouldn't even fit Warzone on it. But it's, it's exp- expandable, and you can put in an SSD into that sixty-four gig. But from what I've heard and i think digital family were saying you're just better off uh, biting the bullet and getting the Loving 512 it. gig ssd um I, I i i'm not interested in it now myself but it's it yeah. is it's curious it's curious because they've sold out the pre-orders like in a flash yeah you know, that could be just a pc diehards there's a lot of them you know um but it's like it's, it feels like the goal would be to get you to get the person who's going to buy a switch and sit in their couch to in invest in this and get them into the PC environment they have, they have, the infrastructure. Yeah. They don't know. They're not pushed though either on selling too many. Um they they've they've come up with it. I think it's an anti scalper um thing where you can right. only buy it through a Steam account that's made several purchases before. Alright. Yeah. So that's oh, like that's weird. So like if you wanted to switch it's like having to have a Nintendo account where you've bought a few games before you even try to buy the Switch. But they know what they're doing. It is an anti-scalper thing, and I think it's commendable. Do they know what... I mean, okay, Valve have tried to make hardware before, or no? Yeah, well, they, I bought the Vive. Um, well, you know, HTC built that, but it was designed by Valve, but it was sold... No, wait, did I... HTC is 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 in conjunction with Valve. Yeah, I know the Steam controller was sold through the Steam app, which is like, you know, I've never used it, but I have heard people talk about it, that it is quite effective for mouse controlling games. Um, It just didn't sell well, but all the the research they've done into that now has gone into uh, the Steam Deck for the touchpads on that. Like if I if I were playing Warzone on a Steam controller, does that count as controller? Or does that count as it's not keyboard and mouse, really, is it? Well, it would be tech. Well, not keyboard and mouse, but you'd have the controls of a mouse with the touchpads. Like I've never used them, so I can't speak to them. But 
they know how hard you're pressing on them. They're haptic and have the haptic feedback and everything. And they're they're supposed to be like uh, I watched a few YouTube videos of people who tested it out. Like and they were like saying it's it's, it's pretty much like using the mouse and keyboard. I guess it's it's kind of fitting a kind of switch profile. Are you do you still play your switch, Brian? Uh, I do. Yeah. Like that's five years old at this point, is it? 2016, four, four, I think. Four, four yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did did you like? Because I haven't had a handheld i guess like that and even as a handheld the switch feels kind of big like are you using it mm-hmm. portably or are you just it does it leave no. a house ever? um i i've used it portably once or twice depending on the game i'm playing like um hades is a great one to kind of play portably because it's a great game that you might you might think you're going to play it for 15 minutes and end up playing it for an hour or two or you might just play it for 15 minutes and put it back down so stuff like hades i do play portably but that was never the main selling point for me the portable thing because like if, if i'm going somewhere doing something i'm probably You're going not, somewhere doing yeah, something exactly <laughs> yeah because this thing is 12 inches long the steam deck like it's a it's a big piece of thing like it feels like it'll sit on a coffee table but yeah it's not it's going big. in your bag on the bus like it is it's a little bit wider but the thing and it does, in the photos i don't know it looks big but it's just got a chunky side handles that the unit itself's pretty slim yeah no I've, it comes I, with a case it comes with a case yeah they know they know it's yeah. it's it's not it's like switch isn't that portable either though you have to put i got well a that, case that's kind it. of what i'm saying like it, yeah. like this concept of portable gaming like the, the two things that are kind of I, I guess the only thing is like it's not so much portable as it is not on your television you know yeah like well no, par- it's, parents it's, can watch a movie and kids can go into another room it is port like you want the screen size. The screen size is going to dictate a lot, you know. Um, like if, it's, if you're going to be playing on the go, like I used to, I don't tell me I ever used my Switch was when I'd be flying back for holidays or whatever. Um, I'd played in the in, in, in the airport. Like um, the big screen is nice, you know. And I'd like you're not going to carry it around in your pocket anyway, so you're always going to have it in a rucksack or something. Fair enough. But I don't um, think this competes. This isn't trying to compete with the Switch. No, no. But it, I guess it's just a similar... Like, if you're selling that to people that aren't the PC games, it kind of looks familiar to them, do you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, there is plenty of these things there. I think the main thing is this is, like, the first chance or attempt at homogenizing and having a set platform to target. Because, like, there's, there's one good thing about it is if developers pick it up, they can have hopefully they do it like is just have a switch for the settings so if you want 60 frames because like i stopped playing pc when the new new generation of consoles came out because i just really got sick of fiddling with settings to get the performance that i want like when i first got my graphics card four years ago it wasn't an issue really because it it was pretty powerful for the time so i was able to put up everything with max you know and just, just go with it but then as time went on I'd spend more time optimizing the game. Almost some games, I'd almost once I got it optimized as much as I could, I'd just stop playing it. That was the game. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and like what I love about the consoles is like I've, I've learned. I think if I if I could have a monster PC where I don't have to worry about settings, that's that's. But like your general audience, 
they really need something like that for this if, if they want to to go beyond pc hardcore you, you need to have an almost console way of like just having a slider to say do you want performance mode or do you want quality mode and then have them set to be locked and smooth experience you know because if most people wouldn't have a clue what they're looking at when they go into pc sense yeah yeah and like i'm I mentioned to you already that I picked up that, like last week I talked about the Anbernic RG351M, mm-hmm. so M stands for the metal. It's a really nice build, um, and it comes with a couple of hundred games already loaded onto it, and you can just take it out of the box and start playing things. Yeah. But I've been watching uh, Retro Game Core videos um, over on YouTube. That guy's channel's great. He's very sort of step-by-step and user-friendly going through how to like he reviews each of these things to death he goes into the settings on each thing he shows you how to mess around with the shaders he he lays out as well like if you're you know if you're brand new and you just want to open a box and play it this is what you do grand if you want to get a little more fiddly there are benefits to you know it comes with a little sd card um but it's generic and prone to failure so get yourself a decent one at 128 gigs um flash on this operating system called arcos throw your games onto it um it like you can just start playing then but you can also put in this uh scraper function which takes a little still shot or a little video for each thing so when your interface is playing you get little like play videos of what the game is underneath it there's some really nice tips for how to use it from retro game core um, like even down to like you can change the loading image on it so like now between loading games on the thing the the endless stream logo comes up on screen like that's my loading screen i like it um the endless stream guys follow the endless stream at the endless cast on instagram plug 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 uh, what platforms does it support? so arc os is a operating system based on linux for emulation of games universally mm. so when you install arc os it builds a folder structure onto that sd card of 120 different consoles and whatever you put in there it uh, reads through now off the back of the default card it came with 23 consoles games for 23 consoles um, Neo Geo, NES, uh, Genesis, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy, Game Gear, uh, Dreamcast and there's some stuff I don't quite recognize Dreamcast. but it's based yeah there's a, there's a couple what of Dreamcast, the Dreamcast games, games run like that's the high end of it Get Dreamcast yeah. and N64 is where you start to see slowdown um, okay. And he talks about that, you know, like the PSP. He talks specifically about as well, where it's like, look, the thing isn't isn't there yet. I'm re- I'm playing the God of War game for PSP, and I'm getting 17 frames per second rather than mm-hmm. 30. Um, and there he went through like there's uh, adaptations and stuff that is making it run much better. But that channel, again, I keep saying it because I have lived on that channel for the last week. Retro Game Core. He took the Steam Deck apart as well and was like, this is an open operating system with a mm-hmm. lot of power so emulation is about to take a big jump as far as he's concerned yeah yeah um, oh you can install windows on it yep um so i'm i'm happy that i've got this thing all set up it's a lovely little piece of kit and i'm going to go and play games for the afternoon on it and um, i lie i'm going to edit a podcast um but it's it's a really nice little thing like my brother was looking for something to play on tv with mates and now i don't have a solution for that but this thing is i mean you can see it i'm going to put up a little video on the instagram account as well of the unboxing it's a little thicker than my phone I'd say it's half again as thick as my phone but it's 
nice in the hand, buttons are good and okay. solid, metal build on bit, it. A little bit bigger than a Game Boy Advance, is it? See it again? Uh, it's around the same size, actually. Maybe yeah, the screen's I mean, just bigger. To give you, just to give you a little side-by-side -side of my phone. like. How much was it? Um, so you can get it for about 115 and that's the metal version. Um, and you can get it cheaper if you get the plastic version. But the recommendation is you're buying it off AliExpress that way. And you're recourse for anything going wrong isn't great that way. It's coming from China. Mm. You're better to go on Amazon and buy it from a seller on there because you get the protections of Amazon. So I paid 150 euro for the thing. That's not bad. It's not bad. What um, are thumbsticks like? They're good. They're like it's it's a tiny like the the area of gameplay is a bit small, but they're good solid like switch style thumbsticks. Um the buttons are nice. Um they're engraved with the letters A B X Y. The D pad's good. It's a, uh, I think it's a 3-2 screen. It's a little wider, so it's not native to some of the 4-3 stuff, but it plays like Game Boy Advance games, natural. Does it stretch forward. them? Or, um, that's where you get into, uh, that's where it gets into, like, you get to customize. So you can choose to play native. Like, I'm going to play it natively, okay. set it to default 4-3. You can, um, you know, for stuff like Game Boy, you get into the settings and you can just say, I want this to look like a Game Boy game because... It will display it black and white, but the Game Boy Liquid Crystal stuff was green, you know? So mm -hmm. if you want that look, there's a setting for it. You can change it to whatever color you want, but you can set it to default to the original stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I very much like it so far. That's my review of it. And as I say, I have a little unboxing video. Um, yeah, I'm happy out. I might have to leave it there because I'm getting my second vaccine. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we should end it there. We did talk about perhaps looking at uh, mentioning Flight Simulator. The one thing I want to do before, I know you have to run, Brian, but like just before we go, for the sake of the listeners as well, we don't have a designated show in the running at the moment, like a, a Loki show or a Marvel show. But it has been said to me when we had that lull between WandaVision and Loki that it was nice to have a little forewarning of what's going to be watched. I would recommend, or I would suggest, we watch Lady Hawk for next week. I know cool. you've seen it. Yeah. I don't know that you've seen it in a long time. I think I intended to suggest it when Richard Donner passed. I've never seen it. I don't think Kev's seen it. So I think that's a decent shout for yeah. what's on deck yeah. next week. Cool. Rick and Morty this week was not worth talking about. Here's <laughs> no. hoping the next episode is good. Sorry, I love you guys, but that show, that episode went great. Do better. Do better.